How can we go about finding investment deals that end up giving us the biggest return? Well, in today's episode, we dive in deep with a venture capitalist, Arlen Hamilton, who is an expert in this. She knows exactly what she's looking for by investing specifically where not every other investor is looking. And there's a lot that we can take away from how venture capitalists go about investing and apply it within the real estate space. You're not going to want to miss this episode. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am excited. I have Arlen Hamilton in the studio. How are you doing today, Arlen? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I am doing well. And you guys know Arlen has built a venture capital fund from the ground up while homeless. And she is the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital, a fund that is dedicated to minimizing fund disparities in tech investing. And she started that fund from scratch back in 2015 and has now raised over $10 million and invested over 130 startup companies led by underestimated founders. And in Mark Cuban's words, Arlen's story speaks to all the would-be entrepreneurs and dreamers out there. Those of us who are different can rule the business world and no one can stop us. Are you ready to get into some things, Arlen? I'd love to. So let's start out by taking a look back at earlier in your life. What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Well, just growing up without any money. I mean, that was one of them, you know, just overall, sometimes I had to do my homework in the dark because we couldn't pay the bills and, and I was a great student, but I had all that chaos. I did grow up with a ton of love though and a lot of attention. And so between my mother and my brother, we had so much love and laughter. And so I think that shaped that part too, because I could have grown up pretty bitter of the circumstances. And instead... I just want to make my life better and other people's lives better. I just want to give them as much hope as possible. So I think those two things are really important. And then I talk about this in, in my upcoming book. It's about damn time. I saw Janet Jackson live at 13 years old in the front row in front of 17,000 people. And that changed everything for me. It made me believe I could do anything. And at, you know, almost 40 years old, I'm still thinking back to that day. Ah, that's incredible. That's incredible. So it sounds like you grew up kind of with a tough upbringing, but a lot of love surrounding you. And how do you think that's played into what it is that you're, you're doing now? I mean, you're focused on raising capital and helping founders get capitalized in, in some areas that are pretty tough for some of those folks right now. Yeah, you know, I invest in, in women, people of color, LGBTQ, because I'm all three. But I honestly try to stray away from saying that I'm helping them because the truth is these founders are building amazing companies. And I, it's like an honor to be able to invest in them. They're just being overlooked and underestimated. That's why we use that term at my fund, Backstage Capital. So it really is, yes, some of them have had hardships like I have, but it's more about like knowing my potential and knowing their potential and that being overlooked and thinking, wow, that's just a really distressed asset class. You know, it's like it's undervalued. And if we can unlock that potential, there's a lot of ROI that, that could come from it. 
Yeah, that's I, that's a beautiful way to look at it. It's like figuring out, well, hey, a lot of folks aren't looking over here. Let me see how I can really serve that community. I think that applies to so many of us in our space, right? We can go after what's the hottest commodity and we're going to end up paying a lot for more for it, but we're going to end up seeing potentially lower returns than if we go and try to add value to a place or a community where it really needs it absolutely the most. That's absolutely right. So tell us a little bit about your story, because I think it's one that's really inspiring to anybody who's trying to start anything, you know, being able to go from being homeless and sleeping in an airport to being the founder of a multi-million dollar venture fund. Yeah. Uh, would love to hear that come together. Sure. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, like I said, with a mother and my brother. And once I graduated high school, I was accepted into some colleges, but I just didn't, I didn't feel like we could afford it. So I just didn't even think of going in that direction. So I've never gone to college. I traveled a little bit and the very first big gig that I had, or big gig, I should say, it's very indie, but the first thing that I did that was of note was I was a, a tour manager for a Norwegian pop punk band at 21 because I found them online and I liked their music and they were in Norway and I wanted them to tour so I could see them play. So I taught myself how to book an entire summer tour across the country. And I went out and was their tour manager, which meant we were in this van, there's five Norwegian guys and me <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere playing to these different uh, bars and, and colleges and everything. And it was a time of my life. And so I took that uh, learned a ton, made some amazing lifelong friends. And along the way, I mean, all of this was done with like no capital, but along the way, I got the bug for like, let's do bigger and bigger tours. So I worked my way over a decade to going on arena level tours with artists uh, like uh, Tony Braxton, Jason Derulo, uh, CeeLo Green, et cetera, et cetera, and became their production coordinator and road managers for, for several artists. And I did that. In the middle of that, I published a music magazine, taught myself how to do that. And then, you know, in the middle of all that, I had a blog that a lot of people read. And all of those things were like, really interesting and intriguing and I thought I could you know do them for the rest of my life like there was no profit it was never I was never head above water it was always like cool gig interesting gig that you create it for yourself but where is your stability and at a point in my early early 30s it got so bad that I was living out of a hotel room sharing with my mom who was in her 60s out of Pearland Texas and it was just like you know you just you have these moments where you're like, how did I get here? Why am I in this position right now? And what can I do to get myself out of it? So I had just started learning about startups right around that time, right about 2011. And because I understood what Airbnb was because I applied to be like a customer service agent and I didn't get it. <laughs> Fun facts, one of their executives became one of my employees years later. So it all worked out, right? But I was like intrigued by these startups and these little investments that people like Ashton Kutcher were making. I was like, why is Ashton Kutcher making an investment in Silicon Valley? What is that? What does it all mean? So I did more research, research, research. I was going to start a company and I was going to, it was going to be a tech company in Silicon Valley. And that was going to be the next thing that I did. While I was researching investors, I learned a really ridiculous statistic that I think all of your listeners will agree is kind of weird and crazy in some cases. 90% or more of all venture capital funding that goes to startups 
goes to white men. And white men make up 30% or so of the population of the country. So that's just like outsized and weird, right? So I was like, that stopped me in my tracks. And I said, that is really odd. And it's unfair. Yes, I'm a gay black woman. I'm from the South. I've watched my mom work her butt off and get very little. Yes, it's unfair. But the, the Monopoly player in me from the third grade said, and the person who loves Richard Branson and, you know, pays attention to that kind of thing, that person in me said, wait a second, there's an opportunity for someone if they can figure this out, if they can get capital and resources early into these really potent, high potential companies who are being like completely left in the desert of resources, because just imagine if only one or two or three of them do really well. That's like, that's huge outsized returns if no one else is paying attention to them. So I changed my tack to let me go ahead and try to raise a fund to invest in all of these companies that I have been knowing or finding over time. And I did both. I For four years, I tried to raise money, could not get anyone to say yes to that. Had no, I had a few connections to people, but there was no real network in the tech world or in the investment world. And So you were working at this for many, many years, many well years. before you started actually getting traction. You were, you know, grinding away and still not seeing it work out. Why not just give up right then? Man, I tell you, when I was sleeping on the floor of the airport, the San Francisco airport in 2015, after having nobody say yes in four years, I thought about it. I definitely, it definitely was a, one of my lowest points ever. But I have to say that I, I knew I was right about this. Like, I knew that the fund itself had to exist in the world. And that not only was... I'm probably going to make a lot of money in, in my future, like for the rest of my life, if I got this right. But the people I would be impacting would go on to do amazing things. And that sort of legacy was really important. And I just said, there's no, if I stop, then it doesn't exist in the world. And no one's listening to me. I'm trying to get other people to do it. They're not doing it. I got to keep going. And I don't know how long I would have been able to, able to survive under those circumstances had it not been for that first angel investor that came in September 2015 and said, I'm going to give you a chance. It was a woman named Susan in, in uh, San Francisco. And she said, I'm going to give you a chance. And she gave me my first like seed money and my first investment money and kind of backed me at the table. It's funny how sometimes all it takes, I mean, you can be grinding away for four years and it's just you're one step away from success, but you never know what step that is going to be. And this person believed in you because you were authentic. You were clearly driving down this road saying, hey, I believe that this is going to be something that's really going to be powerful. I, I'm not going to give up. And then that person finally believes in you and boom, you're off to the races. And I imagine it got easier to raise capital once you had that first person. There's we, we call it that, that, <laughs> that law of the, the, the first deal. Once you get a little bit momentum, it's things really start do moving forward. Maybe not always as fast as you want them to, but it gets easier from there. I'd have to say, honestly, I don't think it got super easy, but what did happen was that all I needed was that, that confidence check, as it were. And my whole 
outlook on it changed. So it didn't get like the outside forces and circumstances didn't necessarily get easier for me, although I did le- start meeting more and more people. But my way of like, I'm going to, you know, give me one and I can do a hundred. It's just the way it is. And that's how I've always been. And so that really just kind of, there was no turning back. after that. And she did introduce me to my second investor and my second investor introduced me to my third investor. And then after that, it was like, you know, it was like starting from scratch over and over again, but with a brand new sense of I can do this. Well, it's like all of a sudden you've proven the model. You've got some belief. You had like made up belief that, oh, this is an opportunity. I believe that I can do it because I'm stealing someone else's belief that they've done it. I'm seeing these examples and, and I'm saying, hey, I'm going to take on that, what, what they've got. But then it works and you got one person in and then you get another and another and it starts building on itself. And so I think it's such a good reminder to the listeners that sometimes it feels like you just want to give up. And sometimes it feels like it's never going to work, but then it does. So what, what would you want to share with folks about how to keep going when they're kind of up against really difficult situations or tough odds um, that you learned from sticking with it? I'd say remember why you're doing something. I mean, that's fundamental is make sure you're doing the thing, you're going towards the thing that you really want to happen instead of what you think outside forces are, are expecting of you and have that as like really your North Star. And if it is, uh, what I did, one of the things I did was I wrote my own headlines ahead of time. So I wrote out what it is I wanted to what the world was going to say about me in however many years. And I did this by, I had a draft in my email where I typed out literal uh, headlines. And one of those headlines, and I talk about this in the book, one of those headlines was Arlen Hamilton invests in a hundred companies by 2020. And I wrote that 2014, 2015 while I was on food stamps. And, and part of that, I was off of food stamps because I, I didn't have any more food stamps left, right? But so, peop- so if you think about it, that was like almost insane to say. It was almost like I was completely out of my mind to say it. Well, guess what? I invested in my 100th company in 2018. So I did it a year and a half early because I had that North Star of this is what I want the world to ha- know about me or to to you know what's out in the world about me is this and you started walking towards that clear vision clear purpose ends up leading you to being able to do some amazing results so again you guys you definitely want to check out the book it's called it's about damn time that's right and uh you're definitely going to want to get out and uh read this because it's something different than what you're going to normally read from a real estate investing perspective but you're able to apply these same uh mindset strategies and beliefs in your business the same way Arlen was able to in hers, not only that, plus the inspiration that's going to come along with it. So uh, tell me kind of what's your mindset on investing and how do you think about going out and making investments mm-hmm. on behalf of your, uh, your LPs? Yeah, I think about it. Um, well, I have a team now and, and I'm really grateful for that team because we're all so different and we all have these different opinions and likes. So if you go to our website, backstagecapital.com and look up our team, you'll see different people who are really into certain verticals or really have a certain kind of uh, standard that they look at or stage that they look at at companies. I have made it 
okay, almost by design, I'm always going to really enjoy seed stage companies. And I'm going to look at it from the, the lens of their founders first, while others on my team will look at other things uh, on my behalf. So I am constantly as well looking for, I'm pattern matching just like most investors do, but I'm pattern matching from a gay black woman's body. So it's like our pur- purview. So that's, that's what I'm seeing is like, I'm seeing a, uh, what other investors may see as, wow, um, you know, can a, can a woman who has children run a company? These are questions that have been asked of women. You know, I know it sounds weird to some guys who may be listening, like, why would they even just ask that question? That's silly. But it does get asked because some people just don't know better. And so I look at that and say, yeah, she can. She, she multitasks. That's what that's about. Like, she can manage a whole business at home. That's what she's doing. Which, you know, we're understanding more and more these days just how important that is. And different things like that. Like, I look in those directions. I am also really excited about certain types of things. I don't look at trends at all. If you ask me what the trends are right now, I'd have no idea how to explain that to you. What I look for is just like what interests me. It's like art. I don't like Brad Pitt. I, I heard him um, do an interview with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio once uh, with Mark Marin, And he said he looks at art like he's a, a huge art collector. And he's not looking at art like what does everybody else think is good art? He looks at art and what he says, what moves me? Like, what do I want to look at for years and share with other people eventually? And that's what I think about when I think of uh, companies and the types of companies. So I, for instance, am really excited about any company that is doing something that like really respects and gives dignity to people over 65. And I don't just mean caretaking, which we do have in our portfolio, Care Academy. I also mean, if you think about, there's someone in everybody's life who's, or yourself, who's over 65 but may have been sort of discarded by people as like, oh, they're getting older. They don't know about tech. It's also like commercials that are like making fun of people if they're older and using tech. Like my mom is 71 and she can out tech me any day. And not only that, she is a consumer, a higher consumer of tech than I am because she was coding in her twenties and thirties because more women were coding in the seventies and the sixty or in the seventies than do today. So all of these things, like we just sort of discount this huge group of people without even thinking about the fact that they're, they're still 10, 20, 30 years in, in most of them. And there's, that's a lot of value as both consumers and, and creators in the ecosystem. So I'm looking for companies, for instance, that are t- like deep into that. I'm also really excited about companies that help you ha- be your own boss as a simple way of saying it like companies that help you do your own thing like I have an online course and I use teachable for that online course and like teachable would have been a company that I would look at you know in the past and I'm so I'm looking for those types of companies that are also led by underrepresented founders yeah that makes sense so it's kind of like a values-based approach like you've got a set of criteria uh, but part of it is that you want to be investing in things that really align with your values and and what it is that you care about and making sure that those things are coming are coming to the world. Yeah. And I want to make a lot of money for myself and for my LPs. I want all those and, things at once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so how do you know, like when you're looking at an investment, how do you know or how do you determine uh, what risk you're really willing to work with on something like that? 
do well, you know you're going to make a lot of money? Yeah, the good thing about the model is that we invest um, relatively small, definitely small checks in the scheme of things in venture, but also relative to our to our assets under management, relatively small early checks that are more like confidence checks for these founders or checks that are hitting them right at the right time where other people are completely running the other way because on paper they don't look like they should do well. And we do that in a larger group, a larger subset than most people. So we have 130 companies in our portfolio, whereas in four and a half years, most funds would have had anywhere between 10 and 50 if they're really doing something. So what we're able to do then is all is go back and double down, triple down, et cetera, on the ones that are proving out our point. And, you know, it kind of makes us look very like, like we're geniuses because what we're back. But here's the thing. Don't mistake that for us throwing stuff at the wall. We've seen 6,000 companies to get to the 130. So about 2% of what we see. So it's, it's right around that Y Combinator, you know, Harvard acceptance rate. But because we are willing to be very early and to have a cast a wide net and to also, I mean, we put so many of our uh, sweat equity resources into these companies that have small checks from us. Most investors think, think we're crazy, but it, you think about over years and years and years, your highest performing founders are going to come back to you over and over again. And they're going to give you the better terms. They're going to give you the earlier terms. They're going to introduce you to the highest performing founders they know. And over time, that, eco, that, that social equity that you've raised, that we've raised, really starts to pay off. So now we're seeing that. I'll give you an example. There's a company called Curl Mix in our portfolio. Now, we have companies that are like deep tech companies and B2B, fintech, all sorts of things, right? But we also have uh, uh, beauty products. So there's a company in our, in our portfolio called Curl Mix. They were doing less than $10,000 per month in month, uh, like in monthly revenue when I met them, mixing hair products out of their kitchen. That was 2017, March. We put 25000 behind them. We also advised them a lot and connected them to one of our uh, best mentors that we have in our network. They now had their first million-dollar month April of last year. And they've done about $6 million total since 2017. They turned down $400,000 on Shark Tank because they were doing so well and they thought that they were undervalued. But no, I don't know any investor. We were the first outside investor. So I don't know any investor who would have taken the time to even talk to them and then work with them and really look at that potential from a different lens and not freak out because they're making a, a little amount of money and they're working out of their kitchen, but see the potential in that. And wow, you did get to uh, 10,000 rather than you're only at 10,000. So those types of things we do on a day-to-day -day basis very meticulously. And I know that it's starting to pay off because our value, our, 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 the value of our funds are, are raising, rising. It's, it's it's so interesting, and I, I can see some parallels for myself in real estate. Um, it's different in the sense that what you're really doing is you're going out and you're building a lot of relationships, you're reviewing a lot of deals, and then you're making some small bets early on, and you're testing. And by making those small test bets, um, you're getting to build some really great rapport and connection with those people, and you get on the inside. And then when it's really time, you're able to make a big bet on a company because you've really got the information. So the parallel here for all the real estate investors is get to know your market. 
start investing. Don't just sit on the sidelines and think about doing this. You've got to get in and start actually doing the work. And then through the process, you're going to start to see opportunities that you wouldn't have ever seen before if you weren't actually in the market working with the population, buying the properties and doing those things. So I, I think that's a great, a great analogy from an outside perspective of why it's so important to actually be in there and working with these folks. And, you know, for you to be able to take that trust and take a company from $10,000 a month to a million and be a part of that growth is absolutely incredible. So uh, tell me this, why have you succeeded when so many others in your industry have given up or failed? <laughs> I guess the same thing that kept me going while I was sleeping on the airport floor. <laughs> it's just, I know that this is the right thing to do. And I know that it's, I have so much conviction and the prosperity that it will create and that it already has created. It's, it's, it's in front of me. So um, I think it's just stay in the course, stay in the course over and over day after day after day and not being pulled in any direction because of something glittery or more exciting or whatever. It's just, this is what I believe is right. And th this decade or so of work is going to set the course for the next half, half of my life, which hopefully will be about 50 or so years. I love that. That makes so much sense. And uh, how would you define success and what is success to you? Success is doing what you want every day and not having to answer to anyone except for maybe your cute niece or nephew or child, <laughs> um, which is what I have to do. Uh, success is waking up every day knowing that you are truly positively affecting other people, even if you don't know them. To me, that's success. That's beautiful. And what are some of your keystone habits, the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led to some of your success? Hmm. I do. Like I said, I, I definitely write my own headlines to this day. I still have that draft where I write headlines that I want to see happen. Some of them are along the lines of my book about how well I want my book to do. So we're going to see, right? Um, and so that's a habit. That's something that I've built up. I do a lot of reading. I, I stay very much so up to date as much as I can on the things that interest me and the things that I can use on, as tools in a, in a, for my careers. And I have multiple revenue streams, so it is careers, you know, it's, it's many things and I keep up with all of them. And so I have habits of reading certain uh, uh, trades or, or keeping up with certain uh, blogs. I listen to certain podcasts over and over and over, you know, make sure that they, um, that I'm fresh on those. So those are, those are things I think are, important. Um, I also try to disconnect uh, right around 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific to so that I try, you know, it's not like I'm completely off, I'm on Twitter or whatever, but I try to stop working by then just so I can have a, uh, a quality of life that I appreciate. I know people, a friend of mine has a two-day work week and she makes more than a million dollars a year on her side gig. So I, I appreciate that. I'm more of someone that has to be kind of stirring, you know, a little bit, but I always try even in that day to give myself that self-care of, no, you don't need to be on 24-7 to be doing something right. You don't have to be, who are you proving that to and who's taking a score? Huge. I, I can really appreciate that. It's such a good reminder. I, I relate a lot to that. Definitely stirring and always working on things. And, you know, if I'm stagnant, I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, well, I feel like I'm dying. I'm not growing and, yeah. and that's the worst feeling. So I can relate to you on that yeah. front. So we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. Tell us what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now. 
Oh, um, well, Venture Deals by Brad Feld. Uh, he is a really uh, well-known and, and impactful, more importantly, venture capitalist who literally wrote the book on venture capital, Venture Deals 101. It's actually written for founders and entrepreneurs who want to know what their investors are thinking and how they're playing the game. And it was one of the very first books I ever read when I got into this. And not only have I read it multiple times since I got in, but I'm now going to be um, in the a new book that he's releasing this summer and um and it's just like a full circle moment and he's become an investor in my fund and he's just impacted thousands and thousands and thousands of investors and founders and that book is just means means a lot to me um and there are many many others and you know i want to give a shout out to the memo by minda hearts which is for women of color who are in the corporate world. It's kind of like the answer to Sheryl Sandberg's uh, lean in. And it's a little bit more like, hey, we can't really lean in because we have a little bit more to think about, you know? And it's just really interesting if, um, not only for black women or women of color to read it, but here's what I'm thinking, man. You know, read my book, It's About Damn Time. If you're a white guy, <laughs> read my book so you can have that edge. You know what I mean? Like know, know what I'm thinking and what we're thinking so that you can um, use that to your advantage in a, in a positive way. You don't, it's not all like hearts and love and all that. It's also like the more you know, like did, did I know anything about Norwegian pop punk? No, but like being curious led me to working Wembley Stadium because of that curiosity. So it's just, you know, know, know a little bit more. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said it could be longer than the question because I went off. <laughs> no, it's great. And I think, I think it is such a good reminder because, you know, sometimes we can get stuck in our echo chambers and, you know, we're only hearing the messages and we're only experiencing the experiences that we ourselves are going through in that moment. But when we can step out and get some perspective, when we can check in with how somebody else is feeling or, what somebody else is going through, that perspective can actually be one of our greatest weapons. It can be one of our greatest gifts to be able to go out and use that to be able to connect with other people and maybe find opportunity. And opportunity is the name of the game when it comes to entrepreneurship. And at the end of the day, it's much better for us to be able to go out and know what somebody else is going through and frankly have the empathy to, mm. to be able to say, hey, wow, your experience is different than mine. Yeah. And I mean, one more thing on that. Just imagine like, I don't know what type, you know, what type of person you are, what kind of uh, real estate each individual does. But just imagine knowing a little bit more about your buyer or knowing a little bit more about, you know, where they're coming from and being able to just reference a sentence or something. It's just like, it's like really interesting knowledge to have. Instant rapport when you can actually show that you understand, even if you don't fully feel it, but you can recognize that that's something that somebody's going through. So, uh, from an inspiration standpoint, what impact have mentors made on your life, and how do you look at going out and finding great mentors? I feel like my mentors have been not necessarily in the room with me because a lot of times I felt like I was an island just because of my proximity and resources. But I would listen to people. Like I would read Brad Feld's book. I'd read Richard Branson's book. I would have Oprah in my ear listening to her audio books. And to me, they are Will Smith. You know, I must have watched that video where he talks about uh, grit and determination a million times when I was poor. And now I'm like, he got, he, he helped get me here because, and he doesn't even know me. 
So I think mentors, honestly, mentorship, when people ask me to be their mentor or um, ask me about that, I just say, you know, there, there is a lot that you can gather from the breadcrumbs that have been left by others already. It's so true. I think sometimes people get caught up in thinking mentorship means that we have to be talking on a daily or weekly basis when, you know, listening to a podcast, diving into a book, you know, going to a conference and hearing somebody speak. You know, uh, I, I think that's such a good reminder. And I do have to give a shout out to Brad Feld. He's an incredible entrepreneur. I live here in, in Colorado and moved to Boulder because of the community that he's been able to cultivate. And so go out and find those people that are those linchpins that are really bringing people together and figure out a way that, that you can get close to them, whether that's through a podcast, maybe you're emailing back and forth of them. I know you have a relationship with Mark Cuban and that's been yeah. big for you. And even being able to just talk with somebody and say, Hey, you know, I, I was thinking about this thing and their answer or response, if you end up being able to be closest, close to them could actually lead you in a pretty cool direction. That's absolutely right. So, so finally, finishing on this purpose, what drives you to live your best life every day? Impact. The impact simple, I can have. Yeah. Simple one word. I love it. So I definitely am going to encourage you guys to go and check out Arlen's book. It's about damn time. Make sure you go check it out. It is coming uh, to a bookstore near you. That's right. That's right. Grab it. I do the audio too. So check that out if you don't want to wait for the book to come in the mail because of all the shipping issues. Uh, that audio is fresh for you. Awesome. And where can people find out more about you or get in touch? If you go to itsaboutdamntime.com, you have everything you ever needed to know about me and more. <laughs> you can you can pre-order or order the book, actually. Uh, I keep saying pre-order because uh, it's been like months of pre-ordering, but now you can order the book. Um, and you can find out about my podcast, Your First Million. You can check out my, my investments, all sorts of things. I also have a, a really cool interview with Mark Cuban that I just did a, a couple, a uh, few days ago, actually. And it's archived on that site. It's about damn Wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I'll leave you guys as I always leave you. Go live a life worth inspiring others. And you can do so today by taking some of this inspiration, some of these strategies, some of these tactics and applying them within our industry, within your business and within your life. Thanks so much. And I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.